0: that song
1: no but welcome back to catechize the <laughs> podcast where we discuss the historic reformed confessions and catechisms i'm your host josh with me as always is my co-host saint john the divine i nailed it first try after being <laughs> gone forever say hello john
0: <laughs> oh you did i was impressed most of the time even when we're in the in the mid-season you're you're flopping around on that is true <laughs> <laughs> oh good to be back though in the game it is.
1: John has been suffering under the burden of a brutally busy seminary semester, and I have uh, been similarly taxed by a hectic season of life. So our del- yeah. our our break was maybe a little bit longer than uh, than we thought originally, but not too too long. I don't yeah. think it was still better than. Uh, Rise and Triumph of Fall of Mars Hill or whatever the heck it's called. <laughs> uh, did we did we joke about? <laughs> you made joke a joke about that. I can't remember if it was on air or if it was in our own personal okay. communication. Yeah, or well,
0: not. just just to explain it, since we've already brought it out there, their their podcast is always. They're like, we wanted to do an episode every week, but we thought to be true to the Lord, we should do one once a month instead. Basically, is what it sounded like. <laughs> Uh, they'd always have like weird excuses we want to honor
1: people's stories
0: and stuff like that, so I always yeah, and it's that like was this funny. has
1: clearly been in production for months. What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean you need more time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: we only have sixty people working on this at Christianity today, so
1: yeah also interesting podcast. They yeah. highlight some interesting things, but they're also problematic, I would say. But worth yeah. a listen. Yeah. Um, it's it's certainly interesting. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. There's some times where I'm like, ah. It's like, interesting take. <laughs> yeah. Or like, correct diagnosis, incorrect prescription of solution. Anyways, mm. for another time, perhaps. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 but yeah, it's good to be back. We're doing a series of five footnotes and proof texts. Um, That'll get us uh, through the holiday season. And then we will be uh, back in the catechism early January, 2022. Yeah. years? Heck yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, and, and, uh, and so, yeah, today we're going to be talking about the regulative principle of worship, um, which is fun. Um, and then in not necessarily this order, uh, we've got a Contra Rome episode against prayer to and veneration of the saints. We've got mm. an episode on homosexuality. We've got an episode on slavery in the Old Testament and another episode on um, kind of a Christian engagement with Marxism past and
0: present man Um, we we got some we got some spicy episodes coming up here I feel like someone's gonna people are gonna rage against us at some of these so that's certainly possible forgive us if we sound insensitive in them we're also we
1: welcome we welcome all ragings we welcome all interactions of any kind um uh because yeah I don't know whatever we want to want to hear from you and things things like that (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, um but yeah we we're excited for that for that uh I don't know that's that slate slotted I don't know that series of things <laughs> coming up that's we're excited. slated. excited it's just it's fun cuz uh coming out of the 10 commandments there's a lot of other conversations you can have because they are applicable in in a oh, yeah. as, as kind of a summary and foundation of the whole of God's moral law they are a, an interesting um Starting point for a lot of conversations, and so it's fun to be able mm-hmm. to take some of those rabbit trails, and uh, particularly ones that are either less familiar or or more controversial, and give them a little more uh, attention. Yeah, if if people, whenever someone asks me, you know, sort of like, oh, you do a podcast? What are, uh,
0: you know, send me one. I'll listen to it. I usually send them a footnote, footnotes and proof text episode because I'm like, this is just, you know, this is in one sense sort of standalone, but it it. It helps it's sort of like a fleshing out of what we talk about in the catechism in in a way that the catechism probably would never specifically address it or any catechism really so <laughs> yeah yeah,
1: but yeah, so this is it's fun and um other other news we we are working currently on a new website um Ooh. and yeah, uh with that'll be some so the beginnings of some blogging um we are also working on those uh, kind of clothing and other merchandise items that we've been teasing for a while. And we are, uh, Oh shoot. What's the other thing we're working on? Oh yeah. And I will, by the time this is published, our patron will have his mug will be in the mail, the mug you get for being a patron. Yes. Um, So, uh, so all all the things we promised are in progress. <laughs> um, the plan is for for those other things, the website, the newer website, and the uh, um, and the merchandise to be live in in t- the beginning of 2022 when season six begins. Heck so yeah, um, stay tuned for little teases of that and little glimpses maybe of some of the items we're working on. I know you. I know you all have been asking about it. You know. Just
0: imploring, when will I get my catechized shirt? Yeah, don't worry, it's it's approaching. The time is the time is at hand. Yeah,
1: we just have to figure out the internet. But <laughs> <laughs> with so, all of those yeah. announcements out of the way, before we lest we like lose your interest or yeah. get too distracted, um, let's 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 get cracking. The crackin'? regulative principle of yeah, worship. So, Nice. So, yeah, so basically, I guess I'll give an outline of kind of the topics of conversation and then we'll break it down. We'll jump into it. So, the first thing after I do this is we'll introduce the issue. We'll just talk about kind of the regulative principle um, as an idea, as a theological principle, um, uh, specifically as it is different from the normative principle of worship. Mm -hmm. Um, Then we will talk specifically about the kind of underlying assumptions behind the regulative principle, namely that God cares how he is worshiped. Um, We'll then move to biblical evidence supporting this idea, uh, and and then we'll kind of jump into some distinctives of the regulative principle, both um, things that the regulative principle would guide us to believe about worship, and then some distinctions and categorizations uh, made uh, within the, the that field of study of worship, I guess, yeah um, and then we'll make the dis- some distinctions between kind of corporate worship and how corporate worship is unique from our uh, our living in a way that is worshipful to God that in all things that we do, we are to uh, do it to the glory of God and, and our lives are to be lives of worship, but corporate worship is unique. and then we'll wrap up.
0: So, so that's where
1: we're going. Sweet, let us go there. Let us go there. So, <laughs> so it's section one then. Um, it just c- kind of introduce the idea of the the distinction between the regulative principle and other ideas of worship, namely the normative, to really quickly summarize it. And then I'll let John share before we go to the next thing. Sure. Um, basically, the regulative principle during the Reformation, the reformers were were significantly concerned with how worship, church, corporate worship, like the church gathered together in worship, how that worship was conducted. Um, there was a lot of problems and corruption and unhelpful practices that had become the norm uh, in the in the medieval Roman Catholic Church. And so I seen the Reformation was not merely theological. Um, it was also practical. Uh, and one of the, the large practices addressed by the Reformation was how the church is to worship God. Um, yeah. And out of that came the regulative principle, which basically says that we can only bring to God in worship what God has told us to bring to him in worship. Um, So basically, when you go to church, when you gather together with Christ's body, the things that you do there should only consist of stuff that God has said, do A, B, C, D. Um, yeah. And that's so that's the regulative principle, as opposed to the normative principle, which is kind of the default name given to Lutheran and and almost by accident a bunch of other Protestant de- denominations who don't have a formal theology of worship. And yeah, um, maybe uh, yeah, well that the normative principle is basically um, we can worship God in any way so long as God has not forbidden it. So yeah. we can do whatever we want in worship as long as God has not said don't do ABCD. Um and that is distinct then from uh the Roman Catholic and Orthodox views of worship, which are basically um the, the magisterium, the ruling uh church, uh the ruling teaching of the capital C church can dictate worship in with its authority and with its uh uh, tradition uh, and with its, um, uh, I don't know, revel- revelatory capacity to some yeah. extent. So, so those are kind of the three things. Yeah. So the so so the first one, like you said, the
0: regulative principle, basically, you know, if, if the Bible doesn't, unless the Bible tells you to do it, you shouldn't do it in worship. Um, then there's the normative, like you said. And to be honest, the normative... So like you said, basically, it's as long as the Bible doesn't say, don't do it, you can do it. So it's like, it, everything is fair game unless the Bible says, don't do it. And while that is different from the Catholic view, in practice, it it actually kind of works out about the same in, yeah. in you know, like you were saying, Lutheran and other Protestant, some other Protestant denominations and um, Roman Catholicism. And, and it works out about the same because, you know, like... So here's an example. I grew up in a Lutheran church, and the service was extremely similar to a Roman Catholic church. Sure, I, I went to a Roman Catholic church a couple times later after you know after I growing up in the Lutheran church, and it felt like almost the exact same thing. Tons of the exact same reading and whatnot. So while the Catholic Church, you know, bases its power to do that on the like, you know the Pope and the magisterium of the church and whatnot. Basically it works out to the same, same idea where it's sort of like you can, as long as the Bible doesn't say not to, you can do it in the service. So, um, and so we're, we're going to be presenting and arguing for the regulative principle, the first one, and not for the normative principle. Yes. So, yeah. Good.
1: Yeah. So a good way to remember it, Reformed R regulative R. Huh? Huh? It's a good <laughs> Not reformed device. normative. Hey. More mnemonic devices. As I told <laughs> my Greek students in the past, if it's a mnemonic device that works, it's not a stupid mnemonic device. <laughs> because most of them sound stupid. Anyways. <laughs> um, but yeah, regular principle, worship God how He has told you to. Which brings us to point two. Yes. we want to defend this idea that God cares how he is worshipped. Um, basically the, the underlining principle of the regulative principle ah, uh, <laughs> is that, um, that, that God has a preference for the way that he is worshipped, that that God does not just want to be worshipped, but God wants to be worshipped in a particular way. Um, God wants, and, and it's not, yeah, that, that God has directed and guided us in the same way that he has directed us, like, these are the things that I want you to believe about me and about creation. Uh, these are the things that I want you to be- to believe about salvation. These are the ways I want you to believe about and act according to what is morally right and wrong. This is my moral ethic. Um, so does God care. uh this is what to do in worship. This is what to not do in worship. And and yeah. just as God has directed the other areas of life, whether they be faith and uh, belief, whether they be um, moral uh, imperatives or or, or morality, um, God directs what is good and what is not good. Uh, and mm-hmm. that same idea is in in worship, which which makes the most sense because all things are made for the glory of God, and so it would. Uh, if God cares about what we believe and how we live and every kind of way that those two guide ideas can be applied. um, If our lives and our beliefs are to be centered around this idea of worshiping God, then it would make very good sense that God would actually care how it is that we worship him. Uh, That the way we worship matters just as much as the reality of our worship. Uh, That we are to worship God, but true worship follows God's directions because God cares about all things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's not like believe the right things and, and live the right way, but worship me however you want. So that, that doesn't yeah. seem to be logically consistent. Um, and so God, not only that, but God, he made us for his glory uh, and he made us to find joy in, in worshiping him. Um, and so if this is the thing that we're for, it makes sense that God would direct it for both his glory and our good. Uh, Yeah, I don't know if you want to add. Yeah, I think I think I think
0: oftentimes, you know, part of the reason we're emphasizing this is because in the church there's sometimes this mentality of like, you know, if you look at his passion though, as long as he's trying, like, surely that's good enough. Um, And you know, while I'm not, you know, it's good to be passionate about the Lord and to and to try to worship Him. But the point we're making is that you know. God makes it clear how he wants to be worshipped in the Bible. He's not like, he doesn't just like, do your best in whatever direction you feel like, and we'll count that as good enough. It's um He gives us specific instructions on how best to worship him. Yeah. So it it would be foolish of us to ignore the instructions he gives us in order to basically worship him however we feel like. And, and that's sort of what we're kind of, sort of, arguing against here. Basically views of worship that simply say, like, I like to worship God this way. And therefore I'm gonna do this and because I'm passionate about it, it's just as good as your worship in this yeah. way. Basically what we're saying is, well, whatever kind of worship you do, it needs to be according to the Bible. You yeah. are you worship God how God wants to be worshipped, not how you want to worship God. Right. Um and that's basically the point that we're arguing here.
1: Yeah, and that it's important because again um, it's what we are made for, and it's what we are redeemed for. Israel was redeemed out of Egypt to go serve God. We have yeah. been redeemed out of our slavery to sin and death to serve God. We are made to be a people, a a a, a, a holy nation, a, a nation of priests, a royal whatever. I don't know <laughs> the specific language yeah. I'm watching First Peter, um, <laughs> which in his quoting of the Old Testament, but like it's what we exist for, um, and. and and so we should seek to make sure that we're doing it correctly um and i think uh that that behind this is is the the identification of uh the problem that that most churches today have become kind of unrecognizable from what god's new testament intention of what the church is to be like. And so mm. if we want to be faithful to God uh, and if we want to be at churches and contribute to churches and um uh uh I don't know promote churches that are actually being the church as God described. If we want to be God's people according to God's design, then we need to care how we worship. And and um so there's a documentary that discusses the regulative principle. It's called Spirit and Truth. Um, it's only on Vimeo, which is the <laughs> yeah. dumbest thing ever. But you can buy it on Vimeo, or you can get a DVD or Blu-ray from SpiritandTruth.com, or it's on it's on. Um, oh, what's that place <laughs> where we got those T-shirts, John? The sweatshirts. Um, oh, uh, oh Missional Wear. Yes, there's I was links like... to it on MissionalWear.com. Um, but that they one of the pastors interviewed for this movie says the church is sick, and it and it is because the church has become a lot of things. It's become consumeristic. It's become a concert venue. Um, And basically, um, we are saved to be faithful to God. And, And many churches are not worshiping God according to God's design because we have neglected to have a theology of worship and a theology of the church. And so we don't make our churches what the Bible says a church is, and we don't make our worship what the Bible says worship is to be. And so church has become a, uh, an event that you may or may not attend that is intended to primarily be entertaining, to be, to, to, to meet your felt needs, uh, to, to create some sort of emotional, whatever. Um, and, and, and worship and church have ceased to be what God has made them to be. Uh, And the faithfulness of the church relies heavily and and significantly on restoring worship to God's intended design. Uh, That if we are God's church and God's church exists to worship him, um, then we should be doing being and doing the church and worship correctly. Um, And, and I think that's like, I think, vindicating that translate transitions us next to to the next section well
0: yeah which which
1: is yeah cool which is the biblical evidence for this What what like prove it if if we're saying that god cares how he worships and that church should look the way that god has intended it for to look um, on what biblical grounds can we say that that God has designed worship to be a certain way and worship can and should only look the way that God intends for it to look? Um, and there's, there's uh, I mean, from the very beginning, um, the first murder, Cain kills Abel because one form of worship that was accepted was good and accepted, <laughs> and the <laughs> other was rejected and, and not good. God cares how he wor- is worshiped. Um, and uh, God very clearly cares how he is worshiped uh, because he rejects one form of sacrifice fr- from the very moment that, uh, that God's people begin to worship him in their fallen state with Cain and Abel. Cain's worship of God is rejected. That implies necessarily, that God accepts some kinds of worship and not all kinds of worship. Um, And so then our task should be, let's go through scripture and see both this idea that God cares how he is worshiped, and then, well, what is it that made right worship acceptable and pleasing to God and wrong worship not? Yeah. Now, Josh, real quick, would you say, just as a quick
0: side note, because I'm I'm assuming people, there's probably a few people thinking this upon that reference do we think that cain like s- sacrifice was rejected because it was grain and not an animal sacrifice or because he didn't offer it with a good heart or do we think it doesn't matter because the point is still that he in inappropriately or incorrectly worshiped the lord
1: yeah good uh that's a good question my yeah. first response would be um it, it doesn't matter at first glance, because we know that whatever the problem was, there was a problem with what he offered in worship. And so yeah. that that again proves the point that some worship is acceptable and some is not. Yeah, um, exactly. Certainly, we must come to God with the right heart, and Cain Cain's heart was wrong. Um, mm-hmm. But worship is not just the most passionate Guy wins, you know. (laughs) Yeah, it's like I, I wept and my hands were up. So that's like that, like the amount that I feel it. That's what makes true worship. That's actually one of the biggest problems with worship today, is Mm -hmm. that worship exists to create and chase this emotional release. Um, and as long as I'm being passionate and emotional, then my, then my worship is genuine and that's not biblically And the defensible. moment it's not, yeah. Right. And, Fake and, and that, like, what, how, yeah. well, what do you do with all the Psalms where David is worshiping God in spite of his circumstance and in spite of how he feels, he worships God in the same breath that he says, why have you forsaken me? Like yeah. worship is not about how you feel ever, um, sorry and yeah. but so but certainly heart is important but it's not about passion or emotion but i think we can also say that um it seems that cain um the, the 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 genesis 4 text goes out of the way to show to to identify that abel offered what his was best um yeah. and 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 it does not make that point for cain and so i think not only can we say that cain's heart was probably sinful in his worship but also he offered something that he had out of obligation whereas um abel uh, whereas abel offered the best and that is what god god requires of his people is mm-hmm. the best they they must give the fat of the animal the the first fruits of the grains and the other things um and so that would yeah. be my think, thinking i think i think that's good Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the f- of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock, and of their fat portions. And mm. so Cain brought an offering of fruit, and Abel brought the firstborn and the fat. And so it goes. At, that that's Genesis four three and four. It yeah. goes out of the way to highlight that that Abel was offering the best, and it yeah. doesn't say that for Cain. So I think the type of sacrifice is also part of the issue.
0: Yeah, Abel's bringing Abel's bringing his best. Cain at least implicitly in the passage, doesn't seem to be bringing anything special to the table here.
1: It's not a matter of grain versus meat. It's a matter of the right part of the grain and the right part of the meat. Cain does not bring the right part of the crop, and Abel brings the right part of the flock.
0: Yeah. good, Quick little side note, but I just wanted to address that. Carry on.
1: Well, um, I I guess if we go in, in biblical order, your example is next. Yeah, so I think we were going to talk about,
0: it was um, Exodus. Um, yeah, so basically in, uh, well, okay, so to be honest, the first four of the Ten Commandments all deal with worship. Um, yeah. Both me and, this is a quick side note related to this, some of what we are getting for this discussion is, is from a couple different sources, but one of the ones I'm thinking of right now when I say this is from a book. The guy's name is Hughes Oliphant Old. And the book is called Worship, Reformed According to Scripture. So good old- I think that's one of my favorites on the topic. Yeah, he's he's great. I That name, I know he goes by something else. Because like professors are like, oh, you know, something. You know what I mean? Like when someone refers to N.T. Wright as, oh, Tom. Oh, Tom. <laughs> yeah. I know this guy has like a, he's got like a nice little like- He just goes by Ollie or something like that.
1: (laughs) But you don't know what it is. I don't. (laughs) I don't don't either.
0: All right, we'll call him Ollie. Just kidding. Our good friend
1: Ollie. Um, Anyways.
0: (laughs) Anyway, so he talks about one of the things he emphasizes that the first four of the commandments are all explicitly dealing with how we worship God and how God is to be approached and worshipped. And so first one, you know, not having any other gods before God. Uh, is obviously don't worship any other gods. Um second one, perhaps most explicitly, is um you'll not make a graven image. Yeah. Um God cares how he's worshipped. God cares yeah don't
1: worship me like the other people worship their gods. You worship yeah. me how I want to be worshipped, not like um, they worship their gods.
0: Yep, exactly. And so three and four similarly, but the one the main one was I wanted to talk about briefly was was two and how um, not to worship a graven image. We The first sort of example of this we see is with, I think it's what, Exodus 32 and the uh, golden calf, where the Israelites basically make this golden calf, are you know really hyped about it, and are referring to it actually as, uh, it's kind of confusing, but it seems like they're referring to the golden calf itself as Yahweh, Yahweh. the God that brought them out of the land of Egypt. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And so what we're seeing is that the Israelites are not worshiping a false God or like they're not, they're not worshiping, oh, hail. They're not worshiping a pagan God. They're worshiping
1: the true God in a pagan way.
0: Yep. So they're, so what we're seeing is not, um, really what we're seeing is not a breaking of the first commandment. We're seeing a breaking of the second commandment. They are worshiping God according to their own, Desires rather than according to how God has told them he is to be worshipped yeah and and so this is sort of the first example I think we see of you know and we'll talk about more of basically Israel worshiping God how they wanted to and neglecting god's specific command on how they should worship Him, and them in turn getting pretty Wrecked. severely punished yeah so.
1: and and I would draw a quick app- parallel and application to today where um they were worshiping the god like the pagan um like the pagan peoples worship their pagan gods and all mm. throughout scripture God says lest you worship their gods or or don't worship me like like do not uh, offer your children to me in sacrifice the thing that I have not commanded yeah. uh, and so all the time God is basically saying when he says, "Worship me, how I have commanded you to worship me," he's contrasting that with, "Don't worship me the the way that the world worships." Yes, should, those ways of worship should not be brought to me. Um, and 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 I and again, people are like, no one it, like no one has a little carved statue in their closet that they're going and offering <laughs> incense before. Um, like the the, calling idol- it God. Yeah. Right. the idolatry that we are tempted to today is not the same as the idolatry that ancient Israel was attempted to, but we are tempted to, to worship or value other things before God in the same way. No, you're not looking to secularism and, and asking how do they worship their gods? I will do that. But our worship today in large part is shaped by, well, how does the world work? Uh, and, 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 and church has become coffee shops in a large warehouse with a, with a, a an auditorium that has a concert and a it. concert venue. Yeah. yeah. And so our church in every way is shaped to be like the world. And the whole point of the old Testament is don't be like the world. And yeah. so, so the way the world is, is different from the way the world was. Um, but it is just as wrong for us to worship God in a way that is, like designed to be like the world in the same way that it was wrong for Israel to worship God but in a way that they were familiar with because it was the way the world worshiped their gods. Yeah. And so our shaping of our worship to be uh, worldly is is equal or similar in violation to the Israelites worshiping the golden calf because yeah. both of those are we're worshiping the true God, but we're doing it like the world does it. Uh, and, and I think that's a pretty direct parallel. Yeah, I, I think that's
0: good, Josh. I think that's pretty helpful to think about because I think, um, yeah, we don't, you know when you when you strip it back, that is what they're doing. They're 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 sort of trying to compete with the world's strategies of worship. They're coming out of Egypt and they're like, well, it was kind of cool to worship you know gold statues and bulls back in Egypt. Let's try it out here. Um surely our God won't mind and yeah. and so they're going for it and so similarly i think you know something like that's going on where in our society it's like oh kids like going to concerts these days let's uh let's just throw a jesus concert which like i'm not saying you can't throw a concert but i'm just saying like it's concerts not...
1: are not bad but concerts are not worship <laughs> yeah corporate that's basically worship. what i would say yeah. yeah um and then to move on to the next example um. Not only so, like it is wrong to shape our worship to be like the way that the world functions, and mm. and yet the world is is secular, and so they're not. We're not copying their religion, but we are copying their pursuit of, uh, like th- like the the things that please the world, the, the way that the world works guides how we worship God, and and that's the same thing that Israel is doing. The way the world worked guide, guided how they worshipped God. Similarly, it. it in in a similar way that it is wrong to shape our worship according to what the world does Exodus in the wo- in the golden calf it is also uh wrong to kind of say well I want to worship God this way um and we see that in numbers 3 with Nadab and Abihu um mm. Nadab and Abihu at, in the very opening of uh um of ex- of numbers 3 verse 4 it says Nadab and Abihu uh, or sorry let's go Yeah, Nadab and Abihu, uh, verse 4, died before the Lord when they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord in the wilderness in Sinai. Hmm. Uh, And and so the thing that they offered God was something that was unauthorized, and they were killed for it. Um, They were worshiping God. They were going before God as priests, but they were doing it in a way that was unauthorized, which implies, if not directly states, that there is an authorized way to worship God. And if there was in the Old Covenant, then certainly there is in the New te- Covenant, the New Testament. Um, God's people ha- are, are authorized to worship God in certain ways, um, and, and it is serious when we violate that. Uh, and just because God doesn't strike down everyone dead all the time, um, that they make a mistake, doesn't mean that God doesn't care anymore um but but the sincerity of the sacrifice the sincerity of the worship is irrelevant if the thing offered with full sincerity is unauthorized by god yeah sincerity isn't the isn't the
0: measure of a thing's goodness that's sort of what i was trying to get across at the beginning basically like just because someone looks passionate or something like that like i i feel like i've there's been um times where i've been to very you know very uh contemporary or even you know maybe some charismatic churches that sort of there's sort of this feeling of like well this person looks so engaged and passionate how dare i say that you know their form of worship isn't appropriate worship um but what the bible is basically telling us is that it's not about your passion it's about your are you worshiping god as he is told you to <laughs> yeah yeah so um josh do you have any old other old testament ones or can i drop like all of my new testament ones <laughs> go to anymore? your new testament ones yeah do it. okay i'll be brief um so uh, there's several new testament passages which similarly argue you know point in this direction um the the first one from the gospels is in matthew 15 and it, it's pretty much a parallel passage in mark 7 so um, here. Basically, the Pharisees, Jesus' disciples eat without washing their hands, and the Pharisees kind of rebuke Jesus and his disciples, basically saying, like, how dare they, you know, eat without washing their hands? They're breaking the traditions of our elders. Um, And Jesus basically responds with a quote from Isaiah. He says, um, well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me. And here's the main part. Teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And basically, you know, kind of obviously, he's Jesus is telling them like, hey, if it's not biblical, If it's not from God, do not treat it on a level with God. He's not saying it's wrong to wash your hands before you eat or something like that. But what he is saying is do not teach that as if it was, you know, a a tradition of God. And when I read this, one of the things that comes to mind is, you know, we sort of we're talking about maybe more charismatic churches. I think on the other end of the spectrum, maybe if you go to like a, a Catholic church or an Anglican church, perhaps, there is a sense in which certain traditions are almost held on the level of of um biblical authority when they shouldn't be um do you know what i mean like mm-hmm. there are things like like growing up in in my church um there was sort of this sense of like lent was taught as if it was you know a a third sacrament <laughs> like it was like you got to you got to partake in lent and then, and so my whole life, I was like, of course, everyone does Lent. And then as I got older and started reading the Bible, I was like, where's Lent in here? Like, I'm not seeing this. And basically what was sort of happening was something that's good, Lent, it's not a bad thing. And I still sometimes, you know, sort of celebrate it. In, but I fully acknowledge. And when I do, I, I mean, basically when I celebrate it, I fully acknowledge that it is not itself a biblical command. I do not elevate it anywhere near the level of scriptural authority. It's sort of like, this is a good idea that can help me, you know, follow the Lord, but I I would never put it on the level of scriptural authority. Sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, uh, and, okay. And then, Josh, let me just, two more, super fast. And then um, I'm
1: going to close this off with one, but keep going.
0: Okay. Sounds good. Colossians 2 is, is another one. Honestly, like the whole whole chapter sort of gets deals with this, and in two eight it says, "See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ." So already he's basically saying, like, don't if if it's not Christ, don't let traditions kind of dominate. Um, further down in verse twenty three, it says. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. So he's basically, he's responding to um, these commandments of, in verse 20, he says, do not, t- do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. He's responding to these and saying, they have a nice religious sound to it, and, you know, there's maybe some value in them even, but really they're not. They have no value in stopping indulgence of the flesh. They are not. They don't do the job that <laughs> basically the true thing does. And so what he's saying is, you know, if you're going to take these traditions of men as if they are from God, they're not going to work. They're not going to do what the things of God do. Um, and so that's one you could look at that more. And then the last one I wanted to looking, look at or actually, no. The last one I'm saving for a different section. So that's all I got. Josh, take
1: it away. Nice. Yeah, and just to wrap that wrap wrap up those those verses um, at the at the end of Hebrews 12, the author of Hebrews says, "This isn't yours, correct?" What's that? No, this no, wasn't no. yours. Okay, I don't nope. think so. Um, the author of Hebrews says, "Therefore." Let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So we have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken because of the high priestly ministry of Christ. Therefore, uh, or sorry, thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Why? For our God is a consuming fire. (laughs) New Testament, the author of Hebrews says you should offer to God worship with reverence and awe because God is a consuming fire. Um, Not in the charismatic sense where they pray for God to send his fire down, which I never understood uh, (laughs) because when God sends his fire down, it is consuming the wicked for their sins. Um, Maybe they're appealing to Pentecost where the spirit sends like tongues of fire, but that's clearly metaphoric language, uh, symbolic language. Um, Yeah. But, but yeah so so again that like the author of hebrews is saying because of what christ has done for us we should worship god in an acceptable way which means that there is an acceptable and an unacceptable way uh, and he clarifies and specifies that acceptable way is with reverence and awe well reverence to who god is awe to who, awe of who god is um and we display that reverence and awe according to god's designs for worship why because god is a, a consuming fire who cares how he is worshipped and mm. then then uh, chapter 13 which follows um uh s- like talks about uh talks about this idea of 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 pleasing god sacrificing sacrifices that are pleasing to god continually offer up sacrifices of praise to god that is the fruit of the lips that acknowledge his name do not neglect to do good and share so on yeah yeah um, and and yeah go i was sorry, gonna say go
0: and ahead. you know We've we've kind of zipped across front to back of the the Bible, but to be honest, it's not like we've we've been exhaustive at all. There are plenty yeah. other passages that could be drawn from to sort of um, articulate this same this same point. The idea is that the Bible itself teaches that basically that God alone determines how he is to be worshipped, and so that anything else that gets mixed in with what God you know, expects of those who worship him is is detrimental and should be removed. It It's making it, it's sort of like you're making it less pure by mixing in human elements.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Human elements, especially in the sense that they lack biblical warrant. It's not like, oh, you've sang a human written hymn rather than just Psalms, <laughs> like you've putrefied the worship. But, right. but it is like, you know, we're, I don't know. We're going to do... Never mind. But you get the idea. Anyways, yeah.
1: To summarize the biblical support section, from Abel to the golden calf to Nadab and Abihu, through Jesus' teaching uh, in the Gospels to Colossians 2 to the end of Hebrews 12, um, we get this idea that God is concerned with how he is worshipped, that there is a right and a wrong way and that we mm-hmm. should worship not according to traditions of men. We should not be influenced by the cultures and world around us, but we should worship God according to his word, his design, his intention, um, because he is a consuming fire who is concerned with how he is worshipped and has yeah. told us what kind of worship pleases him. Yeah. Fair summary? Boom. Well summarized.
0: Josh, um, so done,
1: so then, moving to the next section, if we are supposed to worship God, how he wants to be worshipped, how does God want to be worshipped? Um what is it that God wants brought to him in worship and 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 certainly specifically in a New Testament context where we are no longer to offer the blood of bulls and goats because Christ is the full and final sacrifice, and so we do not offer sacrifices of flesh and blood, uh, but yeah. we offer. Um, offer ourselves as, uh, as worship, which is your spiritual worship, which is, um, Romans or sorry, uh, yeah, Romans 12. Yeah. I was going to say Romans 12, right? Romans 12. It's also in Hebrews. It's also elsewhere. in the old Testament even says, I, I would not offer bulls and goats for you would not take it, but a broken and a contrite heart, repentance and things like that. So what is behind these physical things that we do? And so basically the idea of the, the, the regulative principle of worship is that um, we offer to God in worship the things that we see either commanded or described as being part of the worship of God's people. Yeah. Um, and so you look to the pages of scripture, what kinds of things has God said to do in worship? And um, what kinds of things do we see God's people in the scripture correctly doing in worship? And it is those things um, that we are to do. Yeah. Um can and, I? Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say. So we're just going to basically go through, um, go through examples. What what things do we see in Scripture? What are the elements of worship? And give a verse or two that that supports that. And and move on.
0: Can I can I start with something that's kind of big? Yeah, music, singing in worship.
1: Yeah, so one so one of the things that we see that people are supposed to bring to God in worship is is songs, singing. I mean, the whole book of Psalms is a book of worship songs, so that's yeah. a good point. But also in Ephesians 5, God says, or Paul says, both say, <laughs> um, address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making a melody to the Lord within your heart. Yeah. Um, and then... Uh, We see all throughout when God redeems his people um, uh, through the Red Sea, the first thing they do is they sing a song of what God has done for them. Um, One of my my Reformed Baptist friends often said, redeemed people sing, redeemed people sing. We see Mm -hmm. that all throughout scripture. But run with it, John. What were you going to say?
0: Yeah, basically, I was going to say that. I was actually going to, I was similarly, I was like, I hope uh, Josh is going to reference Ephesians 5 here because... Needs to be done, um, but yeah. Similarly, you know, in the book of Isaiah, we see, and in Revelation, we see, in heaven there's going to be singing songs to God in worship, uh, pretty much eternally. Um, and um, one last thing, I was going to point out in the Ephesians five passage, also related to the uh, Psalm Zone only folks, is the the inclusion. Hymns it says psalms, songs. hymns, and spiritual songs, yeah. thus suggesting that it's not. Psalms are given to us to worship God, but it's not, we're not, you know, because perhaps someone out there is like, well, if you believe in the regulative principle, the Bible gives you psalms, why would you use anything but what the Bible gives you? And I would say this passage, in addition to the fact that there are lots of other songs throughout the Bible. Sing um, to the
1: Lord a new song.
0: It's a yeah. scriptural idea. Boom. Um, yeah, basically, these these passages point to the fact that, you know, there are other songs other than just the 150 psalms, although... The psalms themselves are underappreciated yeah, in worship.
1: That was, was going to be my next point. It's like um, we we do want to be critical of our of our own camp, and some people I think take the regulative principle too far, and, and they they say no instruments, even though many of the psalms are said with the lyre and the pipe. And you're like, yeah. well, there's clearly instruments part of this. Um, so I, I I know that they have answers to that, but I think that's pretty clear. Um, yeah. And also, some people take this too far and say psalms only. Um, but I think the bigger error of the church, more broadly today, is that we don't sing the Psalms, and that is sad. Uh, the Psalms are are divinely inspired worship songs, and we're like, yeah, but the- Chris Tomlin has a new song that's <laughs> mediocre, um, and uh, it sounds like that country song that I like, or whatever. I don't know, um, but I know what you we, mean. Yeah, and it's sad. It's sad that we like we. I want to sing the Psalms more, and this is something that's kind of new or whatever. But but they're so good. Um, quick plug for a guy that I like go on Spotify and check out Brian Sauve S a u v e. He does great versions of Psalms. Um, check him out. But yeah, I think, Mm. I think we need to be singing the Psalms more as God's people. Um, Jesus, uh, when he was with his disciples, um, on the night that he was betrayed, not only broke bread as we'll talk about in a minute, but he also sang Psalms with his disciples in the garden. Um, I think that was that night. Um, it was for sure sometime (laughs) It does happen even if it's not that night yeah and the the word used there uh, is that they sang particular kinds of psalms probably so yeah Yeah. we should be singing psalms not only psalms but we should definitely be singing psalms um maybe let's work our way to the kind of more the, the most regular to the less frequently seen i guess yes and the other things that that um that are to be part of worship is the reading and preaching of God's word In acts oh, yeah. <laughs> two, uh, We have, uh, they devoted themselves to uh, the apostles teaching and to fellowship and breaking bread and prayers. Uh, and there we see three things and we'll talk about them all, but um, that the church is devoted to the apostles teaching. Uh, and then in the old Testament uh, in Deuteronomy, we see the whole assembly of God, which is what the church is gathered together. And Moses reads to them, the law, uh and, and so the reading of God's word and the teaching of God's word um are essential parts of what it happens in worship um and, and that is, is necessary for us to hear God's word both read and preached as part of worship we need to hear it read and taught expounded um we look at uh pentecost and Peter preaches basically on uh Joel 2 and some other passages um as the Spirit descends, uh, and He calls the people to repentance to believe in the Messiah that they were responsible for killing. Yeah, um, I, and so yeah, the reading and the preaching of God's word is another. Yeah, and that that's an important one. There's
0: a lot in the Bible on that one. You know, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. Basically, Jesus sends them out. Um, Similarly, second Second Timothy. I'm just looking at a couple here, real quick. Second Timothy two, uh, rightly handling the word of truth. First Timothy four, devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Speaking
1: um, of exhortation, the author of Hebrews says, this, hear this exhortation, which is the, the way they referred to sermons. The book of Hebrews is, in all likelihood or in all reasonable understanding, a sermon that was written down and then yeah. mailed around as a letter. So not only do we have the call to hear exhortation sermons, but we also have a literal example of a divinely inspired yeah. sermon, um, both Peter's in Acts 2 and the author of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews. And and Josh, forgive me, I might, I might have to
0: basically one one thing related to this is what we're trying to make clear is that reading the word and preaching them are very central to worship in the Bible and this is why you see reformed people so thoroughly emphasizing them because they're majoring where the Bible majors the Bible heavily emphasizes the preaching of the word in lots of places and you know in both testaments and so The Reformed Christians, basically, this is why we so thoroughly emphasize the preaching, teaching, and reading of the Word. And so, you know, this is just, I guess, maybe a reminder uh, to—my point here is that there are other branches of the Church that have a much less, you know, much smaller view of preaching and reading the Word, and I think that's, you know, to their detriment— um, the Bible clearly teaches the importance of preaching and reading the Word, you know, far more than it does a lot of other things that churches, you know, really like to emphasize. And so, yeah. similarly, and we that should... that preaching must be founded in the Word and not just, like, some pastor's <laughs> thoughts. Yeah, not just uh, self-help and 10 lessons to help you have smarter kids and stuff. Right. How to— <laughs> Yeah, whatever. But yeah, um, I
1: digress. We got to move on because of, of time. But so yeah. singing is clearly part of worship, preaching, reading and preaching of God's word. Um, that, that passage in Acts 2 also talked about the breaking of bread, um, which in fellowship, which are fellowship meals uh, often, but the many believe it to be the sacraments as well. Um, and we see that also not only in the gospels, but also in First Corinthians 11, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus uh, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, saying, "This is my body, um, do this in remembrance, and the same way he took the cup, saying, "This is the new covenant cup of the new covenant and my blood, do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me that we are called to do this and we are also commanded in matthew twenty eight and in acts two baptize uh, into the church um, uh, and and all of the all, so many of the New Testament epistles um, refer to your washing and and the washing is clearly Allusions to baptism and and maybe yeah. the spiritual baptism that it, that accompanies baptism. We'll get to those in probably season seven, I believe, of the of the catechism. Boom. Um, but but clearly, the sacraments of 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 the Lord's Supper uh, and of baptism are central to the worship of the church. Um, mm-hmm. And and going off that Acts two passage as well, so is prayer that the people of God must be a praying people and not just as a quick like means of transition between guys up front on the stage, which I feel like <laughs> prayers often become like every time anyone comes up, they're like, let's, let's say a quick prayer. Uh, and then it's this thing, but, but, uh, but there is a, a, like a need for thoughtful pastoral prayer where the where there is uh, the prayers, um, of the saints are offered in worship to God. And that is central to the worship of God's people.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I, another one, if I can just jump in, um is is a confession uh yeah, first John basically calls us to confession um in addition, I think there's
1: some other locations for it, you might yeah, have yeah James five as well. I have it pulled up. Oh, nice! Um, uh, but do you the first John rip? one, first John one that you highlighted is that that John says, um, and and with confession of sin, this is not the Roman Catholic sacrament, uh, but this is the biblical principle that if we, that we are to confess our sins, um, and that we are to hear the absolution, the promise that Christ has forgiven them. Uh, in First John 1, 9, John writes, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in James 5, uh, we are commanded to confess our sins one to another. Uh, we also see that the people of God, when they assemble before the Lord and they offer their sacrifices, they confess their sins over the animal that is to be killed in their place. Yeah. And so part of worship uh, and in the teaching of the church, always there is this idea that, that we are to be confessing our sins and being reminded of their forgiveness so that is ours in Christ. So certainly Sweet. confession is is part of that. Uh, the, oh yeah. So for James five sixteen, therefore confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Um, the prayer of the righteous person has great power uh, as it is working. Um, and again, some of these are confession not and prayer, yeah, and prayer and absolution of sin. And yeah. they're not these. Sometimes these are not explicitly passages directing and instructing worship but again um this is reiterating the kind of thing that we see old testament israel doing in worship and it's and it's uh these letters are are letters of instruction whether they be wisdom literature like james or exhortations or uh Didactic teaching lessons from Paul or or Peter or whoever—they are all instructions for the church, and yeah. so this is what you you are to do. Uh, and, and so they're relevant to the conversation, certainly. And um, and we see them being practiced by the worshiping people of God in Old and New Testaments. And I last thing I think it would be—it's—it's it's fair to say that in
0: the in New Testament times there's much less of a focus on the individual and it's more corporate. And so when we read some of these things where we might be like, yeah, confession, it means very individual. I think their default reading would be confession, corporate, you know.
1: Yeah. 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 And and again, to that corporate idea that worship is to be uh, a thing that God calls us to, that calls to worship are to be seen. And we see those all throughout the Psalms and other places like Psalm 100, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, serve the Lord with gladness, come into his presence with singing. Yeah. Um, and, and it goes on, but we see that again, this is an example of a call to worship that we see throughout the old Testament, where God calls his people before him on Mount Sinai to come and worship him, where he calls mm-hmm. the people to assemble in the tent to offer sacrifices. And and that begins, um, worship. And then worship ends with the pastor sending out his congregation with a benediction, which we see with the famous ironic benediction of Numbers Five or six, where may the Lord bless you, keep you, make His face shine upon you, uh, His yeah. countenance upon you, lift up lift His countenance upon you, and sh- and, and give you peace. We see that with uh, Ephesians three. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Um, that 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 um, worship begins and ends with God speaking to His people, and that. Gets to this other idea of the distinctives of the regulative principle that that worship is to be dialogical. It's a conversation. Um, God calls His people to worship, and we respond with singing. Uh, that that yeah. that God uh, calls us to forgive our sins, we confess our sins, and He responds with forgiveness. Um, that God instructs us in His Word, and we respond with the sac- with by gathering before Him uh, in communion with Him at the Lord's table, and then God sends us out into the world with a benediction and a blessing. Um, that that the that the, the worship of the church is to be kind of conversational as well. Yeah, so. um, And then yeah. just one distinction before we kind of wrap up. Yeah. Um, That these distinctives, these things that we're supposed to do in worship are called the elements of worship. Um, everything yeah. that we do in worship should be something that we find justification for in scripture. But there are things that the Reformed tradition has called the circumstances of worship that are not... That, they're not part of what we worship God with, but they're necessary pieces of the puzzle, yeah. like a building or seats um, and things like that. Lights. And so, yeah, God doesn't command you to to worship at 10 a.m. Um, he does, com- like Sunday is the new Sabbath. It is the Lord's day. We see that in Revelation. Um, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Yeah. Uh, and, and we, we see um, the, the, the Lord's day is the day when Christ rose, which is Sunday. And so we see... Uh, that there is a day for worship. There is a right day for it. Um, but we, there's not a time. There's not a place. But we need times and places. We need buildings. We need seats. Um, and yeah. so those things have been called the circumstances of worship. Uh, they are not actually part of what we are doing in worship. They are not part of the worship of God. And so we can do those things as we please. You can have mm-hmm. chairs or pews, um, but you, like, uh, because those are the circumstances of worship and one thing that i think has been helpful is that um, you cannot use circumstances to introduce into worship something that is not an element of worship in the documentary yeah. i referenced they talk about like well circumstances are like seats and buildings and you need the preaching of god's word you can't say that a puppet show is like you can't preach through a puppet show because a puppet show isn't necessary for the preaching of the word a building time place those are mm. necessary um, yeah. circumstances are necessary things and so you can't innovate worship calling it a circumstance of worship uh if it is not something that is necessary yeah um is that clear i feel like i'm yeah. r- no, rambling no I, th- I think
0: i think that was good i think basically you know as long as it's um yeah you can't say oh this is a this is just a circumstance of worship we're just going to slide it in here That's not like a, a sneak category one of uh, one of our professors, Dr. Swain, would always joke about a baptismal font that was a fire truck at this Baptist church and like kids would slide down the fire truck into the water and that was how they'd get baptized and he said this is not this isn't just a circumstance because it is changing it's really changing the view of um baptism. It's basically um making uh, so
1: irreverent. what you've got in reverence and awe. <laughs> Hebrews 12. Well, and
0: it's also even like even from the perspective it's sort of like sort of almost like tricking kids into get back getting baptized. Hey, check out this uh, water slide we got in the right. church. All you you want to go on is- a water slide uh, in
1: church? Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um don't yeah uh, whatever. Baptism we'll get to for another time. Yeah. Um but yeah that's a great <laughs> example. Yeah. So w- the things we bring to God in worship are elements of worship they must have a biblical vindication grounding justification example whatever yeah. um there are things relevant to worship timing place um where you sit things like that that are necessary to make worship happen um but not prescribed as worship and we can't confuse those two and use circumstances to introduce new things into the elements to change the elements of worship yeah. um like a water slide into the baptism <laughs> which is yeah. ridiculous <laughs> um uh, but, cool moving yeah. on to the the second to last thing yeah speed this is a long episode I'm, I'm freaking out yeah um, no it's I okay bad. um sorry folks hopefully it's all good and helpful um <laughs> <laughs> The last thing is the distinction between corporate and all of life worship, uh, that Paul calls us to, whether we eat or drink, whatever we do, do all to the glory of God. And our lives are certainly to be about worshiping God. Um, And there's a really important distinction to maintain between corporate worship, where, where God's church, his people gather before him in worship. Um, and we are to worship God according to his design there. Um, but that, but our lives are also worship and that does not mean that, uh, and, and we need to preserve that distinction so that we preserve the worshipful nature of all of life. Because if we treat Sunday morning gatherings of the church as if they are the only time that we are worshiping God. And so I want to dance before the Lord. Or I want to whatever. Um, then we, um, forget that the rest of our life is meant to be done to the glory of god as well and so because we say no dancing in church um like you can't bring your ribbon and do a ballet performance up front because that's not one that's not a thing that god has prescribed um but that doesn't mean that your dance recital should not be worshipful to god Yes. Um, and so preserve the dignity and the value of worshiping God in all of life by maintaining the distinction between corporate and all of life worship. Um, because if you say that only things that are done on Sunday are worship. And so I want to, I want to do, um, drama in worship. I want to do a, a dance at worship. Um, well then you're forgetting that those things are worship, but the time and place of them matters. Um, And the time and place for those things is not in corporate worship because those are not things that God has called to be brought to him in worship. Yeah. Um, And so we should remain, maintain this distinction and God prescribes in both of them. Like you can't shoot heroin up to the glory of God in all of life. (laughs) It's not like whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. Like whatever you do, which is guided by what God says is good in life, do it to the glory of God. Uh, But, when you gather as the church, God has described how that formal worship should be. And so worship God, how he has prescribed and, and, and commanded you to worship him as is found in scripture. And then yeah. when you leave, go from there and do all things that you do to the glory of God, knowing that there is a difference between corporate worship and all of life worship. But that does not mean that all of life is not worshipful to God.
0: Yeah. All right, Josh, last thing. So David danced before the Lord.
1: Should there be dancing in Sunday service? Um, no, <laughs> uh, that's that's when the temple, where that's when the the ark is brought to to Jerusalem. Um, first of all, he's like kind of like looked down upon for that, and this is like a scene. It's questionable as to whether that's appropriate behavior or not. Yeah, um, but. It, but no, just because you see a thing in scripture does not mean that it is a thing <laughs> that ought to be done. Yeah. Uh, nor does it mean that it's, it, that is a descriptive scenario, um, wherein God is, is where, yeah, wherein David is doing something. Um, we are to rejoice before the Lord. Yes. And, and not dancing in church does not mean that you have to be stiff as a board, like moving around to the music a little bit, that, like, great, that's fine. But, but like, we're now going to have our dancing section where we bring up these three folks who are going to do a dance. That is not a thing that God has called his people to do in worship. Um, Being like moving with the music in church is not sinful. Of course not. Don't be an overly frozen chosen. Um, (laughs) But but yes, Dan- that that passage is not about worship. It's not prescriptive. It is descriptive, um, and frankly, it seems that that David is acting inappropriately there to an extent. His rejoicing is right, but he's like naked and stuff. So, yeah, sorry, helpful. that was that was unimportant. But I was just curious.
0: Yeah. But yeah, basically, I I agree, Josh. I agree with what you said. I think it's important that. Um, we realize that just because something is not allowed in a corporate worship service doesn't mean that that thing is like, like no dancing in service equals no dancing ever. Don't you dare dance like that's not what right. that's not what is being said in the slightest. It's it's just yeah. got, you know, corporate worship um, is is a thing that should be dealt with carefully and honorably to God.
1: Because our God is a consuming fire. Yeah. So, yeah, sweet. Any uh, any closing um, thoughts? I don't think so. Um, so, again, just to recap, God cares how he is worshipped. We should worship God in the ways that he has commanded and described. Um, from... A, uh, Cain and Abel, to the golden calf, to Nadab and Abihu, to the Gospels, to Colossians 2, to Hebrews 12, we get this idea clearly that God cares how he is worshipped. We are to worship God in the appropriate, approved, prescribed Way with reverence and awe, because our God is a consuming fire, um, and that worship includes things that are prescribed and described as being part of worship in Scripture, from calls to worship and benedictions uh, uh, to confession of sin and pronouncement of forgiveness, to the reading and preaching of God's word, to to sing the word and the sacraments, to tithes and offerings, even which we didn't um, which we didn't talk about, but bringing. Your your financial gifts to the Lord uh, and singing absolutely singing is profoundly central to the word the worship of God's people. Yeah. Um, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, uh, and and that those elements are prescribed. And there are things that we have in worship that are not necessarily prescribed like chairs in a building in a time but those are not the elements of worship those are the circumstances of worship yeah Yeah. um and and we should worship god in all of life um uh, but keep holy and set apart that time of corporate worship as god has prescribed for it to be kept apart yeah boom sweet that's the episode sweet that's the episode thank you for tuning in i hope that was helpful um uh please email us with any questions thoughts concerns Um, and, uh, and let us know if if we can, we can kind of keep the conversation going for you or answer any of your, your, um, I don't know, problems or, or refutations or responses or, or questions clarify things. Um, again, we hope that was helpful. Uh, please tune in next week. I don't even, I'm not sure which of those topics we'll have next week, but coming at you is, um, some good stuff. Contra Rome against prayer and veneration of saints uh we got some stuff on homosexuality some stuff on slavery in the old testament and some stuff on marxism uh and, and we'll be looking at a, a, a lot of good fun stuff so that's coming up thanks for tuning in everybody yeah. follow us at catechized on gmail.com uh send us emails to catechized at gmail.com um i think i said that for instagram instagram <laughs> is at catechized pod i'm not dumb um i'm fine you're uh, fine <laughs> and uh Uh, Yeah, check us out at catechized.org it'll be updated early 2022 so make sure you get a good look at the old website before it (laughs) it gets changed give it a farewell Uh, yeah share this with anyone you think might benefit from it we're glad to be back thanks for uh, giving us a break boom catch you all later catechize your kids we'll see you later bye (laughs) bye